Welcome to the Gospel According to with Ryan and Mike, a conversation designed to explore what makes the gospel good news in various books and topics of the Bible. Okay, today we're going to continue to uh, talk about the kingdom of God as we're exploring this major theme throughout Scripture, the central and encompassing theme of Scripture. And in the last episode, we we zoomed in on the problem this rival kingdom of sin and death, the serpent, the beasts that are enslaving humanity and, and humanity's role in that, humanity's rebellion against God. And so this, this problem of rebellion. Um, today, we want to zoom in on those things a little bit more. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to just kind of turn you loose to, to go at this because you're, you're kind of two worlds are going to converge in this as, as you're, you love the scriptures like I do. Um, you love Disney more than I do. And, and so you're going to talk a little bit about Disney, talk about the Bible, um, and, and help us understand these ideas a little bit more clearly. Yeah. As Mike said, y'all, I mean, for those that know me well, I am a huge Disney fan. Um, my wife and I love Walt Disney World. I love Walt Disney biographies. I love Disney Imagineering. I absolutely love Disney. And I, like every Disney fan, have watched Encanto and listened to the soundtrack incessantly. And we all talk about Bruno every day now, 100 times a day. Um, but as I was watching this movie a few weeks ago, I realized that it was almost like my Disney fandom was converging with my love of biblical scholarship. Yeah. And I want to try to demonstrate how Encanto is really, in my opinion, the best treatment of evil that I have seen in a film in a long time. Mm-hmm. So let's start with biblical scholarship and then we're going to work backward to Encanto. Okay. So one question within scripture that every human has ever asked is the problem of evil. Where does evil come from? What is the purpose of evil? How does it fit into God's good creation? The standard philosophical Christian answer to this is called the theodicy approach. The theodicy approach claims that evil is within creation for God to work out something better. So it's bad, but God is working out something better to come through this bad thing. Thomas Aquinas, et cetera, has offered many different theodicy approaches. Even Alan Plantinga's work has been in this regard. Well, I found the theodicy problem unsettling for a great many reasons. How do you sit down with parents whose child is murdered and tell them, oh, don't worry. This evil thing is actually for the good purposes of God. How do you yeah. talk to someone whose family member is killed by a drunk driver and mm-hmm. tell them, oh, don't, don't worry. This evil thing is actually bringing about something great in God's creation. How do you mm-hmm. talk to someone who dies, has a family member die of drug overdose and tell them, oh, don't worry. All of these evil drugs are actually here in God's good creation to bring yeah. about something good. I, I find the theodicy arguments to evil not just academically unsettling, but just often morally reprehensible. I, 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 I have yeah. nothing good to say about most theodicy approaches. Mm-hmm. Don't. Yeah. Now, one book, Mike, that you and I both have fallen in love with is Fleming Rutledge's The Crucifixion. Yeah. Um, the, for those who would really like to spend a lifetime trying to understand the depths of God's love revealed in the cross of Christ, I could not recommend any book better. Yeah. Rutledge 
comes from the Karl Barth school of thinking, which I myself am quite Barty, and we joke about this often. Um, Karl Barth was a 20th century theologian who was, I think, generally regarded as the most important systematic theologian, perhaps since Aquinas himself, maybe Anselm. I mean, he just, just uber important. Bart lived in Switzerland during the days of World War I and World War II and was one of the first confessing Christians to stand up against the Nazi regime. Bart saw evil upon evil in his lifetime. And in his magisterial church dogmatics, he himself goes at great lengths to dismiss the theodicy approach to evil, as does Rutledge. Let me just read this brief excerpt from Rutledge about the theodicy approach. And again, that word theodicy means Evil is bringing about something good or better in creation. That's the defense of evil. Mm -hmm. Here's what Rutledge notes. The whole enterprise of theodicy is misbegotten. Philosophical defenses founder. Attempts at explanation distract us from the real-life predicament of sufferers and perpetrators alike. Note this. Evil is in no way part of God's good purposes and cannot be since it does not have an existence as created good. Hmm. Evil is neither rationally nor morally intelligible and must be simply loathed and resisted. Yeah. Oh, amen. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. That's so good. I mean, it's just absolutely amen a hundredfold. Okay. Mm-hmm. Amen a hundredfold. Now let's deal with this biblically for a second. You in Genesis two and in Genesis two, and I know I've been, lecturing and ranting mike but come here and talk through this with me in genesis this is fun for me i'm i'm this is i'm just happy to just you know people are listening but i'm i'm just sitting here with my hands on my 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 face on my hands just my world is enjoying uh, just enjoying watching and listening yeah so in genesis 2 we end and are things good or bad oh in genesis 2 bad or no sorry good good we're still Maybe in you the, need to good. read your bible rather than yeah. watching in Kanto too much yeah right sorry, uh, good you in genesis 2 let's try this again you they were genesis naked 2. and unashamed they were they naked, were naked and, unashamed. and unashamed right everything yes. was very good hey what hang on real quick what, what were they they were unclothed. They were oh, no. unclothed. What did you say? They were naked and oh. unashamed yes my accent betrays me <sighs> Okay. Then, Everybody's going to have to like backwards 20 seconds to hear it. You I didn't know. It I've tried for 10 anyway. years to correct my pronunciation and it just won't go. <laughs> oh, lean into so, it. Lean into I know, it. I know. Okay. So whatever they were in Genesis 2, it was good. It was really good, right? Yeah. But then you get to Genesis 3. The serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Where did the serpent come from? Yeah. Did Genesis try to tell us? No, it doesn't. It's, just, it, it's, it's so fascinating to me that in the origin of evil in Genesis three, the Bible does not tri- attempt to rationalize mm-hmm. the presence of this evil force in God's good creation. Yeah. It recognizes it and it names it mm-hmm. and it's going to pronounce victory over it. But I don't think the Bible ever tries to give us a clear defense of where evil comes from. Yeah. I have a paper that anybody wants to mail, email me for. I'm happy to send. I'll work through Isaiah 
14. I work through Ezekiel 28. I deal with Revelation 12 and 13, uh, trying to deal with these texts that some claim offer a rational basis for evil. I, I don't buy it. I, yeah. I simply yeah. don't see any text in the Bible that claims that evil has a rational basis. Even the whole fallen mm. angel stuff, I, I just have great yeah. problem with. Uh, Bart did as well. Um, it, I, I think where I stand is where Genesis 3 stands. Mm. Evil is in the world, mm-hmm. but we can't rationalize it. Mm-hmm. This is what Rutledge says. Rutledge concludes, there has never been a satisfactory account of the origin of evil. And there will be none on this side of the consummation of the kingdom of God. Hmm. Evil is a vast excrescence, a monstrous contradiction that cannot be explained, but can only be denounced and resisted wherever it appears. Yeah, that's so good. Now, she has like 70 pages where she goes through this and she deals with every major thinker throughout Christian history and how they work through the origins of evil. And she offers just a magisterial defense of this. So for those that yeah. would want to go further, definitely check out her book. But, but but I think this is where biblically both Rutledge land, and this is where I've really come to land, is you can't explain evil. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's just there. And it's interesting in Genesis 3. The emphasis is not on the origin of evil. The -hmm. emphasis is on the end of evil. Let me say this Mm -hmm. one more time. The whole Bible does not emphasize the origin of evil. The Bible emphasizes the end of evil. Even in Genesis 3, you have verse 15, which offers a promise of the end of evil. Yes. Even Isaiah 14, even Luke 12, even Revelation 12, even Revelation 21, every major text that deals with evil is always far more concerned with the end of evil rather than it is the origin of evil. Now, what does that mean practically? Practically, that means when I meet with people who go through evil Mm -hmm. and who have experienced evil in their life, I don't try to explain why this happened. Yeah, exactly. All I do is Romans 8, groan with the Mm -hmm. present creation and say, you're right. This shouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. The snake shouldn't have been in the garden. Evil should not be in God's good creation. And this tragedy should not be in your life. Mm -hmm. But it's here. I don't know why. I can't rationalize it. I can't explain it. But it's here. And in naming it Mm -hmm. and in identifying it, we're then able to point to its end. Mm -hmm. There's coming a time when the sea will be no more and when sin and death will be vanquished. Yeah. There is coming a time when the adversary will be destroyed. It's not yet happened, but it's coming. And I can look into the life of everyone who experiences evil and say with confidence, now, I don't know where this came from and I don't know why it's happening, Mm -hmm. but I do know where God is taking you. And I do know what God is planning for this evil. Mm -hmm. God is always intent on the eradication of evil from his good creation. Okay. Now, Mike, before I go to Encanto, what are your thoughts about about I mean, I, I mean, I agree completely that the, we, we cannot settle for cheap cookie cutter answers. It, it you know, to, to me, the things that I've clung to most recently is God met us in evil, taking evil upon himself, met us in our suffering in the cross. The cross is this, this incredible demonstration of that it's not a rational explanation. He's not, he's not giving us cheap little bumper sticker answers for this 
this incredible problem, but we see Jesus suffering absolutely degradation, dehumanization on the cross and the promise that God will make it right. Right. I, I, there's no, ex, there, again, without every explanation, those, those two things, the cross and the promise, God will make it right. God is going to sort it out, trusting him to do that. Um, yeah. And that That's leads it. us to Encanto. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what I love about yeah. Encanto. I'm going to, I'm going to come back to that in a little bit. Who is the villain in Encanto? Yeah. Well, I mean, Disney is known for just amazing villains ever since Snow White and Beauty and the Beast. I mean, the, onward into more recent times like Frozen and Moana. I mean, the, the, Disney has been known for its really well-developed villains. And mm-hmm. it's often joked that their villains are more developed than their protagonists, but that's yeah. a discussion for another day. Yeah. But if, but if you watch Encanto, I don't think it's obvious on a first time through. Yeah. But as I thought through it more after I watched it, I realized the drug cartel mm-hmm. is actually the villain. Mm-hmm. Here you have these dark riders in the night riding horses with swords of death in their hands, charging innocent, helpless people and ultimately killing Abuelito. Mm-hmm. Where'd they come from? How'd they know. get there? Yeah. The film doesn't try to tell us. All that you know is there is this evil force in Colombia that is bent on destruction mm-hmm. and bent on destroying the goodness of the land. Yeah. But then what's interesting is that evil affects every single person in the film. Abuelita by no means kills anyone in that. But she casts out Bruno. Mm -hmm. She's vindictive toward most of the rest of the family. Shows high favoritism to Isabella. Mm -hmm. And poor Mirabelle is pretty much an outcast of the family. Yeah. Why did Abuelita do that? I think it's because her fear of the evil drove her to sin. Hmm. Let me say that again. Yeah. Her fear of the evil drove her to sin. No, her evil was not the same form as the cartel, but it was still sin. Mm-hmm. And I've, as I've thought through that more, Mike, I've realized that's how sin works in each of our lives. Yeah. We may not be Pharaoh murdering the firstborn. Mm-hmm. But out of response to that evil and in the environment of that evil world, we ourselves are going to do different forms of evil. It can't be explained and it can't be rationalized. All that it can be done is identified, denounced, and rejected. Yeah. Now, before I get to the solution, what other thoughts do you have about the manifestation of evil in Encanto? Oh, no, just good stuff. I'm just, I'm, I'm enjoying sitting back in this one. Let okay. Well, thing. okay. Well, yeah. let's get to the solution then. What's the solution you learn in spoiler alerts for those of y'all that haven't seen it. So stop now and come back after you watch it. It's wonderful. You learn through Bruno's prophecy that Mirabelle needs to reconcile with her sister. Mm-hmm. Why? It is only through the covering of evil and through the process of reconciliation 
mm-hmm. that the house is going to be fixed. Love is going to win. Now, what happens with Abuelita? Abuelita is driven to further forms of evil where she continues to cast out Mirabelle. And in that act of exile is separating instead of uniting. But in the sacrificial love of the family, I think really Abuelito, Abuelita, and Mirabelle, all three, in their sacrificial love for one another, the light comes back. Mm -hmm. The candle is rejuvenated. Evil is not defeated with evil. Mm -hmm. Evil is defeated with love and grace. Yeah. Evil is defeated through sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Evil is identified and rejected, never explained. Mm-hmm. Mirabelle, in, in seeing that image of her grandmother, she knows that her grandmother has experienced such tragedy. She doesn't know where these evil horse riders have come from, but she rejects it. And she loves her grandmother and is willing to lay down her life for her. Mm-hmm. It's through the sacrifice of the child that the family is reconciled. Yeah. Now, does that sound like any story that you and I may talk about every day? That's gospel, man. That's good stuff. Yeah. So what do we as parents do with this, Mike? Hmm. I, I think that we as parents need to be using these great Disney films, which I think there's a great many bad ones, but Encanto is a great one, um, as what Karl Barth calls secular parables. Hmm. And what Bart means by that is there are parts of the world around us, what we would call the natural world um, or or the human realm that point to the goodness of the revelation of Christ. Yeah. Now, does that mean we give up our Bibles and start watching Disney movies? Of course not. Yeah. But it means that these stories that just really get down into the innermost depths of our heart Mm-hmm. point us closer and further to the love of Christ. Yeah. Evil is never explained. It's identified and denounced. Yeah. Love conquers. Grace wins. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. Amen. Okay. Well, let me, let me, let me close by this. Um, I, of course, speak Spanish and um, I would strongly recommend um, our English speaking listeners to, first of all, learn Spanish because it's a great language. But second, look up the translation of Dos Orgullitas. Okay. That's that beautiful song at the end. That song is about two caterpillars that have to part for a little while and go into their cocoons. You could say into a tomb before they're reunited and brought back together. Now, obviously, I don't even have to spell that out. <laughs> it's what Carl Barth calls. I have to spell the Spanish word, but not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I can actually say that. My English still struggles, but I can pronounce yeah. the Spanish. Um, it, it's what Carl Barth calls the son of God in a far country. Mm, yeah. The son of God goes into a far country, separated from the father for a time to bring all of humanity back with him. I really encourage us as parents. Let us use these great moments to teach our children the eternal good news of Jesus Christ. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about the light. Mm-hmm. 
It's all about the love of the family. It's all about reconciliation. Yeah. And that's what Encanto teaches us about the Bible. Yeah. Good stuff. Thanks for listening to the Gospel According to Podcast. If you have any questions about what you heard today, please send us a voice message. We would really love to hear from you. Make sure you follow us on social media, subscribe, and click the bell to get notified when we drop a new episode. Until next time, and for all time, your God reigns. Thank you.